Hi, this is Maximilian Osinski, and you're listening to Talking Lasso. So, spoiler warnings ahead for Ted Lasso episode three of season three, as well as Ted Lasso seasons one and two. Yeah, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Honey, is that an ingredient, or is that something you just call me right now? Ingredient. Shoot, that's kind of hoping it was the other one. How worried are you about the threat of relegation? Well, Lloyd, right now I'm mostly concerned with the definition of relegation. Congrats. You both just met a cool person. <laughs> on three. One, two, three. Come on, Richmond! Yo. Yo. What it is, Joey. <laughs> what it is, Josh. I've never said what it is. That 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 sounds so wrong to me. Oh, that's such an early two thousands <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> Excuse I hate to God. tell you, I was I was um, I was only ten in early two thousands, so um, <laughs> it's not often that I can say I was only this age in a certain time because I normally recorded Tim and Tim and Slade, who feel like children compared to me. <laughs> that is that is the truth, if anything. <laughs> so how's it going, Josh? How are you? It's in another I'm hotel doing... room. I see relying yes, on the hotel a... Wi Fi. I'm actually in my second hotel room in third third hotel room in two days uh so i checked out of one hotel room to come to sacramento from fresno Mm -hmm. and uh i got sent ahead into sacramento due to weather and they didn't have my room available that i was supposed to be in tonight so they put me in a king room and now i'm in my double queen that i'm going to be sharing with my roommate for tonight but uh my roommate's not here so i can podcast real quickly (laughs) i I got to real real quickly <laughs> yeah i got to watch ted lasso a couple times uh for whatever reason they started dropping the episodes at like eight o'clock central time uh which mm. was like six o'clock pacific time for me i, I think the they do it they do it for midnight uk time which makes sense yeah uh but i get to, i get i kind of get to feel like how the rest of the world feels when the mandalorian drops because it drops at like three o'clock local time for me uh 3 a.m local time when i'm normally at home <laughs> So I'm like, ooh, Ted Lasso on a Tuesday night. Okay. Nice. Nice. Well, that's quite, that's very cool. Very cool that you get to watch it the day before we, we record. <laughs> yeah. So the, this is going to be a little bit more of a reaction video or video episode uh, because we haven't really had a chance to watch the episodes through in a, a thorough manner to do the, the scene by scene breakdown. Uh, We're going to try a little bit of it because I have my tablet here with uh I'll just fast forward through the scenes and we'll do what we can, but nice. we'll try to be quick because it's very late for Joey. It is. It's coming on to midnight uh, for me. I think it will be past midnight and Joey has work at very early in the morning. That's the joys of recording with, uh, with, with your friend from across the seas, isn't it? A little bit. And also, you know, you just did a little bit of the scurry jury. So I did. Yeah. The scurry jury. If, uh, and when, when you come to socials, I'll be able to say, follow, Follow us on Twitch at Game Club Pod. Uh, and now that I've said it, I'll just go back to say, find me in Talking Smart Discord. <laughs> so this week's episode of Ted Lasso is called 451. And mm-hmm. uh, we open with a little bit of a revelation. Yeah. And, and actually, remembering what you were saying about Colin having his own story, I was really pleased to see this. I think um, so. So what we should say is explain the, the scene. Uh, it turns out that Colin is gay, uh, or at least um, bisexual. He has a, a boyfriend, a partner, um, and they. he wakes up and he goes downstairs and his partner is making him coffee, which is very lovely. Um, but it's it's. I don't know what it's like in, in American sports, but I think I've told you, Josh, that there are over 70,000 registered footballers in the world um, and I think three of them are publicly out as homosexual. I think in American football, we still only have had Michael Sam come out as gay prior to joining the NFL. And right. he played, I think, like three or four years in the NFL before retiring. Um, and then I think recently an NBA player came out as gay. But I feel like that's kind of it. There aren't too many other professional athletes in the U.S. Right. Um well, I mean, there's obviously like Olympians who have come out as gay. I think they're a handful of skiers and snowboarders and stuff. Um, but as far as like the big three or big four between uh, American football, basketball, baseball and hockey, there are not many, if less than a handful that have mm. come out. 
yeah, and and that that three out of seventy odd thousand is is worldwide as well. So, including Josh Carvalho, who was the first one who plays, still plays. Uh, in in the Australian A League, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised by this because, among other things, representation matters. So seeing mm-hmm. Colin and and seeing Colin because we talked about last week that uh, I thought Colin was going to be on a road to a redemption arc with the way the episode was beginning to to close out. Uh, I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess Colin's just going to fade to the background. But looks like I was wrong again. Looks like you were wrong, but I think um, with the stuff that went on in this episode, we'll talk about it as we go, but with the stuff that goes on with Colin and his his partner, boyfriend, whatever they're going to label it as, um, I think it's going to be a pretty prevalent storyline throughout. Um, and whether we have a Trent Crim, I don't want to say villain arc, but a Trent Crim twist. If we have time, end, I definitely there? want to project on that, yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. So that was kind of a cold open. It ends with a little bit of a gag where uh, Colin still can't drive his Lamborghini or whatever kind of luxury car he has. Yeah, I really like that they started the uh, the intro music and then he hit the bins on the way out of his drive and then they, they cut the intro music and started <laughs> it again. Um, I thought that was really good. Yeah, and then when the episode actually starts, once we get through the credits, where... Uh, the coaches and Trent Krim are all hanging out, getting ready for Zava to make his big grand appearance to do his uh, ceremonial signing, uh, which, mm-hmm. as you talked about last week, he, he signed the contract in advance of doing the public signing. Well, which he is did something... a, an e-signature. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's a um, whole joke with uh, with with Leslie um, and, and Rebecca panicking that he's going to pull the same thing that he did last week and, and decide he's going to play somewhere else. And there's a whole running gag of whether an e-signature is a legally binding, um, legally binding thing, and and I can't remember what. I think he signed his e-signature as "You're welcome," didn't he? Yes, he did. <laughs> um, which is really funny, and I'm going to come on to this a little bit at the end because my mad, mad lad story is uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who Zava is based on. When he um when he signed for LA Galaxy, he took out two pages in uh, an LA newspaper, I can't remember which one, two-page advert, and, and all it was was a letter header, and it said, Dear LA, you're welcome, and then it's signed Zlatan. Just <laughs> fantastic, egotistical nonsense that he's uh, he's known for. Yeah, so the, the, the coaches are sitting around talking. They, there's a really great joke of all of them revealing who their Julie Andrews crush is. Uh, mm. Ted and uh, is it Trent? Oh no, Leslie are Mary Poppins. I can't remember exactly who's who's who, but I think the best thing is that Roy has a really strong opinion on it. And also, I love the fact that he is very excited that Trent Krim goes with uh, the Princess Diaries, Julie Andrews as well. Like he he is so excited about it. The uh, the girl dad <laughs> and me got really pumped up with that one. I, I had a good belly laugh because we we literally just w- had our oldest watch The Princess Diaries like three weeks ago. So we move on into the locker room, seeing that the Zava now has his own corner, which is where Jamie used to be, along with a few other players. Uh, I was going to ask you before we move on from here, is, mm-hmm. is this standard operating procedure? Because this, this looks like very Michael Jordan treatment. Like uh, Michael Jordan famously had his own locker room with like a recliner that really? was basically his own club. Uh, it was his own little like apartment inside the Chicago Bulls stadium. Well, in, in each club, I mean, obviously it depends on the facilities available to the players, but every player will have their own locker space and uh kit man will, will begin before each game. For example, they will hang up the shirt in each of their, designated spaces um, with the name facing outwards so the way it's presented beforehand in the richmond locker room i think is is pretty reflective of of real life i don't think you get the big corner shrine to zava unless unless it's something he requested as a part of his contract so you never know yeah i assumed it was part of the contract i don't know that they would willingly offer up that space unless it became a, a a point of contention in the, yeah. the contract. Well, it definitely um, became a point of contention for Jamie, who is yes. hating it even more. Yeah. And I, I still enjoyed the fact that Jamie never really reverts as a character. He actually comes to Ted and everyone says, Hey, I don't think this is needed. And Ted mm-hmm. comes back and says, we appreciate your feedback. Please continue to do so, which I thought was a really nice touch. Yeah, it was. But I like the bit where um, Coach Beard said, so Jamie goes into the coach's office and says, 
you don't need this easy egotistical maniac taking over the team and coach Beard. So that's a bit it's ironic, isn't it? Because like, that's what Jamie was in season one. And then when he leaves, he goes, actually, coach, not ironic. It's hypocrisy. I thought that was quite funny. And then Ted calls Beard out on. He's like, is, is that right? And Beard just sits there. You can see the, the hesitation in him <laughs> wanting to say no, but he knows that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And it was good immediate self-reflection from Jamie, which I thought was quite good as well. Yes, there's Twitter's loving Jamie today because I've seen a, a lot of tweets talking about how he's had some of the best character growth in a three season span for almost any character ever. Well, we've said with Ted Lasso that it's not just Jamie. Every character really is is every main character, sorry, is having really great growth. And I think if you put them against where they were at the start of season one, I don't really think many of them, if any of them, are exactly how they were then. It's true. Yeah. And uh, I think I think this episode really gets into one of the things that I was concerned about with Ted, because going back to season one, I was always like, how do you make Ted interesting? And then you introduce the marital problems. It's like, mm. oh, OK, yes, that that works. And then season two, he's got depression and the panic attacks. And then in this episode, we kind of get his his struggles for this season, which is going to be him dealing with the fallout from his marriage and his wife now dating their former marriage counselor. Yeah, there's got to be some big question marks over that, really, <laughs> ethically. Yeah, yeah, and that actually, no, that happens in this part of the, the episode, which I thought that was super cringe, where they had the boyfriend, before we found out he's the the marriage counselor, mm. uh, answer the phone as Donald Trump. Like, yeah. That was, that was well, a choice. They, they set it up as I like to mess with telemarketers. Cause so that the whole thing is Ted, Ted wants to wish his son good luck ahead of a, a football game that he's going to play little league, whatever. Uh, but he's left his phone at home. He can't remember the numbers of his, his son or his wife. So he calls the landline um, and the fact that they're amazed that they have a landline was one thing, but then he was like, the, Ted's, Ted's ex-wife is like, oh, you can answer it, cause, and he says, well, I love messing with telemarketers, and then he does the, it was quite a good Donald Trump impression, oh, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it was good. But, um, I think you're right. I think what they did was they went, who can you impersonate? And he went, oh, I can do a pretty good Trump. And then they were like, okay, well, we'll run with that then. Um, so... Moving on from that, we we get the the exterior of the dog track Nelson Road, where they're getting ready to sign Zava, and Zava is two hours late at this point. Yeah, yeah, and he is. We we get the bit where Leslie's not quite sure if uh, an e signature is a binding contract or a binding signature. We we get the the bit about how he signed your welcome, but that's kind of it for this part. Uh, Shandy introduces herself to more people. It's just known that she's around, but I don't feel like there's anything extraordinarily substantial from this scene. Well, I think the only thing I take from Shandy is I, I, I'm I going through like a full motion with Shandy. I originally thought that I'd really like her because she seemed quite on it with the directors. Um, I think she was like put herself out there in the last episode to say this is how you make stuff better and then this time they're painting her as like a bit of a moronic friend of Keeley's who's landed herself a pretty good job because she says oh all these people are disappointed I'll just run across the pitch you should just run across the pitch with your top off that's what I would do and it's a bit like I wanted to like Shandy I started off hating her and then I quite liked her, and now I'm I'm souring on her very very quickly again. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat because she they had her do something where you're like, okay, she is proficient and she understands what she does, and then yeah. they just kind of immediately backed off of that, where it's like, no, she's just a, an airhead model who yeah. is more focused on social media things. I'm I'm sure that she's playing the role exactly how they wanted her to be played, but I think yes. the character itself, I'm I'm just struggling a little bit with understanding where she's going to fit in as to whether she's going to be a helper or a hindrance to Keeley. I have a, I have a theory that we'll get into as we get to the end of the episode when we're in the restaurant. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to put that and knock that in my hat. And then hopefully you remember as well, once we get there. Okay, cool. Um, and then we, we transition because Rebecca's just like, Leslie kill, kill the conference. We don't know where this guy is. Uh, apparently his phone is in like Malaysia or, or no Mykonos. Yeah, and us, yeah, yeah. So they they have no idea where he is, and then he they do they do a weird Shandy thing with 
Zava here as well because Rebecca goes back to her office and he's just sitting in her desk. And he's like, you, you've got biscuit crumbs all over your desk. And I'm like, oh, he seems normal. Like he just seems pretty <laughs> laid back. And then he gets up and starts walking towards them. And no, he just goes full weirdo, like circa 2000, circa 2022 Aaron Rodgers nonsense. Yeah. I mean, I guess the question is, do you, so maybe i'm jumping ahead but i'd like to know your opinion do you like zava as a character i've gone through the episode i went i like him oh he's weird to okay i get it to oh maybe he's not going to be so bad to oh he is that bad so i guess i don't <laughs> like him okay cool i think that's okay not to like him i think what i think it's important to say is maximilian Orzinski plays this role so well that you could be convinced that this was Zlatan Ibrahimovic um, doing this. It is exactly like him. And I think for that reason, I really like Zava. I think he's he's mad and eccentric, as we find out throughout the episode. But also what we found out throughout the episode is he's got the skill to back it up. And he is that good, or seems to be that good on the pitch, that he is just a egocentric footballer and i think i've i'm probably far more accepting of that because i there are so many of them that i actually quite like in real life that that you maybe don't know is my is my hot take yeah and i can understand understanding the the influence behind him and appreciating all that and i i think again as as the role he nails it it is it is really fun mm. uh but again you asked do i like him as a character yeah, yeah I of like course. Him? person in this universe and the answer after a couple of different instances with him in this episode the answer for me is no at the moment okay um but i guess so but my point was that i do i do like zava as a character i think he is yes i think he's really interesting and i think he's i think he's he's mad but he he's got everything to back up like being that mad and it's like it's justified how he acts in my in my opinion anyway the main portion of this episode is devoted to showing just how great he is and yeah. what a difference maker he can be. Yeah. Um, so we go from Rebecca's office into the locker room where Zava finally meets the team. And mm. uh, I thought this part was really, this is another part where I was like, Oh, okay. He gets it. Cause one of the things I looked up during season one of Ted Lasso was the kit man, because I wanted to know like what the point of the kit man is. And almost every article I saw talked about how the kit man was like the most important person in uh, a professional football locker room. Okay. They do everything from getting out the kits to setting up practice training. And uh, also like almost being like a, a personal assistant to the players. Like they, they manage their lives almost. And yeah, so they, when and he, they're, they're often very, very underappreciated. <laughs> yeah. And so when, when Zava calls out Will as being like the most important person in the room, I was like, Oh, he, he kind of gets it. And it's not going to be another Will situation where he's going to get bullied or at least not in a way that he recognizes it. But I think this is another one of those callbacks to season one. And I think the comparison there is Jamie, because if you remember, Jamie had this whole thing where Roy had to intervene, where Jamie was influencing other members of the team to essentially bully Nate when he was the kit man. Um, and I think this is saying, like, yes, Jamie and Zava are both egotistical, but look at the difference in in the two characters that we have here. I think it's basically a very long winded way of driving a wedge between those two. Yeah, and he even uh, assumes that Jamie is the kit man at first too. D- I didn't notice that, did he? Um, yeah. So he asked, "Who is the kit man?" And he looks over at Jamie and kind of like gestures, like, "Is it you?" And Jamie comes <laughs> like, "Fuck no." <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's funny. <laughs> and then uh, one little audio thing that I picked up on because I was listening to the episode on my my headphones, which offer surround sound. Uh, when he asks who the Kitman is, once the the bit with Jamie ends, you can hear Will in the background, kind of going uh, uh, <laughs> like trying to build up his voice before he says that's me. And then uh, as he says it's me, I'm Will. You hear it ta- taper off as always. I'm Will. Oh really? I liked yeah. when in in his speech he was like, "I was a kit man before I was a footballer." Blah blah blah. And he said, "At the age of nineteen, and then Will goes, I'm twenty five. <laughs> <It's laughs> that was just like um, just building Will up to knock him down again. It was it was good. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah. So the scene transitions away from there with Zava going into the coach's office. And I, I love Jason Sudeikis as Ted in this moment because he is he's acting like he's hurting cats with Zava because Zava's just kind of this free spirit wandering around the building. And he's just like, ah, you guys just do what you're going to do. I'm going to go make sure this guy doesn't get out of my sight so we can like try to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And then he does that um, thing. And it's a bit like, what's the, the Matt Damon movie where he writes on the, the board, um, Goodwill Hunting. Is that Goodwill Hunting, yeah. And it's like it's a bit like that with the tactics board. And it turns out when you come back to the tactics board, so he sees it in its 442 that they devised last episode or the episode before. Um and obviously thinks, well, that's I'm not sharing my striker space with another striker, so let me just arrange this. And then it it, it transpires that later on, what he's done is he's put his marker that represents him in the opposition's box, and then everyone else is just a clump behind. Yeah. So it doesn't. It looks like he's being tactically astute, but absolutely not at all. Um, it's yeah. just another. I am the center of attention. And one thing I liked about this episode as well is uh, we talked last week a little bit about how sometimes we assume that they're going to talk a little bit more in detail about the sporty things or like the, mm. the organizational things. And they just never do like the, the finance thing from season two where this episode, they talked about how, okay, we're going to move Danny back to midfield and we're going to bench Collins so that we have our two strikers. Yeah. And I, I thought I appreciated that because as, again, as a sports person, I like hearing the tactical behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And I think like there was something I was surprised actually, because when Roy said when they said they're gonna bench Colin, Roy said, Well, Colin's a chameleon, he'll play wherever you want him to play. And I, I thought that that was the indication that, well, he's gonna sit on the bench for a bit, but he'll he'll come back. But he seems to be like really struggling this crisis of confidence, exactly as we said in the last episode we wanted him to, because he keeps with this mantra of you are a strong man, you are independent man you are your own man blah 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 and i think that um i think i'm really glad that colin's getting adding a bit of depth to his character rather than being a bit of a one-hit wonder punching bag and i may be reading too much into it but when roy calls him a chameleon uh i feel like that is meant to kind of undercut a little bit of how he's blending in with his teammates as a closeted Mm. gay or bisexual man Maybe. And there's a joke just before Zava comes in into the uh, the changing room where they're basically saying, like, some men are just attractive. Oh, yeah, they tr- they transcend they transcend sexual orientation. And exactly. Like the punchline and then, of the joke is Norm MacDonald. Yeah, and, and, and Colin says, oh, well, I'll take one to the team and sleep with Zava then. And that, I think that's his, like, little jokey way of trying to, to be himself and, and make jokes about his sexual mm-hmm. orientation with his teammates. But obviously they're... They're thinking, oh yeah, he's he's joking. But but Isaac says something um, that's really feels very outdated when you say it now. And he's Colin says something negative, and Isaac pats him when he goes, "Ah, oh, no, man, that's gay." And he says mm-hmm. it in, as in a negative way, and it's just that kind of they have no idea who he actually is, um, yep. and they're really hammering that home. Yeah, and I I think that's going to be a really nice subplot that they're going to play out throughout the season. Mm. Um, the whether or not there is an extra person playing a role in that, we'll see what their role is, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Uh, but we're going to move on to Rebecca, who has been really fussy about time in this early part of the, the episode, because she has apparently scheduled a, an appointment with her mother's psychic. Yeah. She let the team down on that. We said, there's no way she'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quickly learning that every one of our predictions is going the wrong way. Josh, which I I said last week, it's a show that sometimes just doesn't do what you think. And this scene didn't go the way I thought it would go either, because it's not a series that deals with like magical things, but they're really setting up that psychic to be uh, on point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I feel about that. Um, I understand why they did it. I understand it's, it's the way of doing a realization, but Oh, I'm seeing an item, a, a green matchbook, and oh yeah, ooh, spooky powers, and I just a shite in knitting armor. <laughs> yeah, that that was quite a good line, actually. I thought that was quite funny. Um, kept saying I'm hearing the words, and and it was obviously meant to be knight in shining ar- knight in shining armor, but she says a shite in knining armor, which I thought was very good. Uh, but the big reveal at the end of this scene is that. Um, the psychic says to Rebecca that she's going to be a mother. She's going to, she's going to have a kid. And um, 
Rebecca looks really horrified and says that she's cruel. Um, yeah, and she's, then she's storms out. Very clearly heartbroken about very clearly heartbroken about the news. Yeah, because uh, I think that that is either implying that she can't have kids or she yeah. feels like she's too old to have kids. Yeah, well, I I got that feeling as well. I I got the feeling that it was that she can't have kids. Yeah, I, I I'm in the same boat. I, I feel like it, it's implied that she can't just because but, of her reaction. Well, because of events within this episode, she's gonna very quickly change her mind. I think uh, the next scene we can breeze right through. It's Keely talking. It, it's it's more breadcrumbs for for the Roy Keely eventual coming together, uh, reuniting. Uh, Shandy and Keely are talking with they're t- they're talking with Colin, Sam, and Isaac about Zava joining the team, and nothing's really happening with it because Roy's going to walk in and uh, interrupt and be like, "Hey, you're doing some stupid interview shit," which I don't really want to do, but it's you, so I will do it as a favor for you, Keely. Yeah. And Shandy kind of takes over. The whole point of this scene is to set up hostility between Shandy and and Roy. I think mm. um, I don't think you need it all. So, so the players are under a bit of a, an idea when they start that conversation with Keely that they're going to be interviewed about something other than Zava joining. Um, but Keely puts that very much in into perspective very quickly. That no, they are interested in Zava right now, um, and they say that they want to interview Roy because Roy hates interviews, and then that starts a bit of a back and forth biting. Uh, between Keely, uh, between Shandy, sorry, and, and Roy, which I think is going to be a tension between Keely and Roy getting back together. Yeah, she could be a a, a block for them. Um, it, one thing we also get out of this is that we kind of get more information that Shandy is not the best at offering advice mm-hmm. uh, for PR things because she's obviously yeah. the idea is to spin things positively, where she's just like, or you could create controversy and just tell people you eat your own hair. Yeah, and then and then Roy recognizes her as the woman who eat, ate her own hair all that time ago. So it's obviously a trick that's that's well, I guess worked for her, but not shown her in the best light. Oh, and Danny Rojas is there too. Danny Rojas so, is always there. Football is life, <laughs> yes. Josh. Yeah, and he he clearly is man crushing on Zava. He wants to be Zava's best friend throughout this he's, episode. He's been man crushing on Zava ever since the name Zava was mentioned. <laughs> yeah, he. He openly admits to the fact that he lost his virginity to a pair of Zava boots, which they try to correct to be like, you you had sex while wearing them, right? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's an out there statement to just throw in there, isn't it? <laughs> it, it very much is, but also it fits the character. Um, and then the, the next scene is actually the Jamie scene, which we've already discussed, where he ends up owning Coach Beard. He's hypocritical, not ironic. Yeah, uh, and then we get a pregame speech where it's feed the ball to Zava. That's that's the game plan. Get the ball to Zava. They're running their four five one, and this once we get to the actual game, this is where I kind of turned on Zava because they set it up where he goes and pats Jamie on the side and says, "Get open, I will find you." Mm. And then he immediately just kicks the ball and scores uh, on, on the kickoff. And yeah. I'm like, oh, well. Uh, Be- before we get to the get open, I will find you. He says that on the pitch, right? Or yeah. Is it in the lock- I, yeah. No, but, it was, so, it was so, on the pitch where they're getting ready for the kickoff. In, in the pregame before the match, they're all doing their standard hands in the middle, Richmond on three, and Zava's meditating behind. And then eventually he stops meditating, and instead of doing Richmond on one, two, three, he stands in the middle so that all of their hands are touching Zava as if he's the Messiah. Um, and then they do Richmond on three off of Zava rather than each other. Yes, which I think is important. Um, once again, they get open and I'll find you, and then ignoring it for a, a goal from kickoff. Um, it's just very Zlatan. It's just very Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> and 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 I feel like my feeling towards Zlatan and my appreciation of him as a as a character and almost an anti-villain is really clouding me in in being in favor of Zava over Jamie <laughs> at this point. Um I'm sure they'll they'll ham it up even more because there's going to be something there that that blows over, uh, boils over, sorry. Um but for now, I'm just enjoying it. 
Yeah, and then we get a montage of uh, Zava just owning the league, and we get like the standings changing where uh, Richmond has reached the top six, and I think by the end of the episode they're in the top four of the the Premier League. Top three, league. yeah. Top three, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it I, f- I feel like this went longer than it actually was. It seems like it only goes for about three minutes in the actual episode. It it felt um, like longer. Um. I think the really cool thing about it is all of the goals. So, so it's just a montage of, of Zava scoring outrageous goals and the reactions to it from positive from the bench, the players, and negative from Jamie watching this mm-hmm. guy that he doesn't appreciate. But all of the goals that they show are based on real-life goals that happened, like the scorpion kick is Olivier Giroud's Puskas winning. Puskas is the best goal of the year award okay. winning against Norwich in the Premier League. The bicycle kicks based on Wayne Rooney against Manchester City and the, the Manchester Derby. Even the goal from kickoff is is loosely based on Zlatan Ibrahimovic's debut for LA Galaxy, where he scored from about 40 yards out um, against LAFC. Hmm. So. And we also get uh, one shot of him stealing a goal from Jamie. Hmm. Which yeah. that that's that's where I'm like, okay, fuck this guy, because he he has to be the one to get the goal. Which like there was no doubt if the, if they had put a little ambiguity in that shot, where like maybe it was going to hit the post or something, and then he just drives it in with the right mm-hmm. angle. Okay, fine, but like this one is clearly going in, and he just comes in and, like taps it in, so he gets the the credit for the goal. But this is where me and you differ. I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really, really good. And I think, uh, I it, so that nearly happened once in a in a Portugal international game where Cristiano Ronaldo chipped the ball over the keeper and, and a player called Nani tapped it in, but it was given for offside because he touched the ball in an offside position and it would have counted as a goal if he didn't touch it. I'm glad they didn't do that. Um, because I don't think that comparison needed to be made. I think they're really bigging up this kind of god complex thing with uh, with Zava, and it seems like it's it's warranted at the moment. But I I don't mind this whole. It is all about me, Zava. It doesn't matter if that was your guaranteed goal. This is mine now. I own this place. Yeah, I and I, I can see that from a narrative standpoint. I. I from my prediction that I'll talk about here in a second, I, I think that's where we're going because okay. uh, we're, we're going to see a, a God fall or something. Um, and then the montage kind of ends on a couple of different notes where we see Sam trying some food in his uh, was West African mm-hmm. restaurant. Uh, I, I assume so. I can't remember. I think it's, it's Nigerian food. Yeah. But, uh, Nigerian food. Yeah. And then Ted is talking with doc uh, about what's going on with, his feelings towards his former marriage counselor dating his ex-wife. Yeah. There was another one of those, um, you know, the jokes that you didn't really appreciate last time about the, who are you talking about Zava? I'm talking about Keely and Roy. And there was another one of them a little bit here with um, Ted explaining that he didn't like when his marriage counselor used to say, okay, and that's all the time we have. And then Doc said, well, that's all the time we have. Uh, it was a bit more. It was a bit more condescending than that. And then she goes, "No, no, it really is all the time we have left." And then she hangs up on him. I didn't think that was particularly funny, but I understand why they put it in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't feel like a joke. Yeah, it, it didn't didn't come across as a joke to me. Like I think it was more just showing how Ted is so f- focused on this part of it because they even make a point to talk about how he doesn't ask her any personal questions in this session, right? And uh, it, just how it's affecting him, because before Zava scores that kickoff goal, going back a little bit, he's on the verge of an anxiety attack. You see him like fussing with his hands and all the, the telltale signs that we saw in season two. And then mm-hmm. the goal scores and just like the anxiety washes away because he's so focused on this God tier player okay. uh, scoring ridiculous goals. Uh, so the, the way the montage ends, I thought was actually really great where uh, we see Zava score uh, a corner goal. Would that be the proper term? A goal off a corner kick? Yeah. Um, where he takes off his shirt to celebrate with the crowd. And he ha- we find out that he has a tattoo on his back of him celebrating the way he is currently celebrating. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was really funny. And it was funny how Jamie um, 
reacted to because he was really getting into the celebration of the team and then he saw that and just stopped in his tracks like i can't believe the arrogance of this guy yeah Um, there's a really great look on his face with that one yeah it was good um but it was it was very funny because it was like it looked like they'd put the the tattoo on afterwards to match the exact position. Yes, that, that, in, that had so. to have been post production, like CGI or something. And I just want to point out here, real quick, if I can get the timestamp here, uh, at like thirty eight minutes and thirty seven seconds, Zava comes walking in as the we finally get to Richmond being in the top four or top three, and uh, they're celebrating. Sam's inviting everyone to his restaurant, and Zava comes walking in with like his hand over his head, snapping. And Danny's right behind him, like a hype man, snapping his <laughs> finger over his head with a great look on his face. Yeah, like yeah, good. me and Zava are best friends. I'm I'm celebrating with him. We're <laughs> we're doing this together. And I thought that was really cute. So the rest of the episode plays out through in Sam's restaurant. Uh, he's a few weeks away from opening, but he wants to celebrate with the team with them doing so well. So uh, it's kind of like a, a cold open for the the restaurant to be able to to celebrate. And this is where like every thread of this week's episode kind of collides and expands at the same time. Yeah. Um, Colin invites his, his boyfriend over to kind of pose as his wingman and his best friend and not his boyfriend. Cause again, we've talked about he's, he's closeted and uh, they, they put up a pretty good facade. Yeah, I agree. But I've, I've really felt for his partner in that, in that scene. I felt like that must've been a really difficult if, I mean, if it was real life, but I feel like that would be a really difficult thing for someone to do. Um, because what he says is, this is my wingman. Um, and then, then Colin's boyfriend, who I don't think we got a name for. I think it may have uh, been on the top of his phone when he was texting. It was on him. a text, yeah. Um, um, let me let me just run this scene real quick. I got the captions on. Let's see if I can't get a name. But what Michael. you sent, Michael. Michael. So what he essentially says is, this is Michael. And he says, well, Michael says, well, being his wingman's not exactly hard. I say to all the women, and he's very clear about women, um, mm-hmm. have you met my friend? He's a Premier League footballer. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I really felt for him in that in that moment. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine what that would be like to hide yourself like that. Yeah, I, I kind of got a, a, a similar but slightly different feeling where it felt rehearsed. Like they, mm. they clearly have done this before. Yeah. And so like with Michael, maybe there's a little bit of disdain behind them having to hide, but it's also something that he understands and accepts as part of what they have to do given Colin's life as a professional footballer. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I understand that. Um, Even the way that they greeted each other with that manly bro shoulder to shoulder hug thing that they did. Yeah. just felt they didn't he didn't even need to give him a look so i agree i think it probably is absolutely rehearsed yeah and that goes back to last week too where i feel like the last season was about psychology i think this season is a little bit about body language Mm. yeah so like looking for little ticks yeah uh we also get a little bit of keely and uh rebecca talking about her reading where she's just like nope it's it's a bunch of bullshit totally not gonna happen because i don't have a, a little green matchbook in my hands yeah only to uh is it it's later on in the scene isn't it but um the big reveal here uh, sam obisanya who rebecca had a romantic encounter with in the last season gets these promotional matchbooks for for the restaurant and it's a green matchbook which is exactly what the psychic predicted so yep. the insinuation here is that rebecca's going to become a mother by by colin uh, by colin not colin by sam <laughs> Yeah, I, I felt like that had to have been the implication because the music they were playing with the psychic as she was uh, kind of giving off these these final few uh, predictions, it was like very warm and yeah. sentimental. So it was like, oh, God, they're, they're going to make the psychic accurate, aren't they? It seems <laughs> weird. And uh, what do you know? What do you know? It seems to be accurate. Mm-hmm. So as as Rebecca and Keely are talking a little bit about the psychic and how she's still a skeptic, Sassy shows up and uh, we just kind of get reintroduced to, to Sassy. And I think we'll, we'll just kind of stick with this conversation because they'll, they'll cut back and forth by the end of the scene. Yeah. Um, but Sassy basically reveals that, yeah, she's she's definitely interested in Ted still. She's going to go seek him out. But if Ted's not here and if he's not willing, she might try and uh, ride the, the Z train. Or as you would say, the Z train. Z train, yeah. Um, Yeah, well, the first thing she asks when she gets there, she does her whole beauty in the stink with uh, Keely and and 
uh, Rebecca as her nickname, but um, the first thing she says is, is, is Ted here. So there's mm-hmm. clearly more than just a sexual attraction there. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that's really interesting by the end of this episode because Ted just kind of unwinds into Sassy and not in the uh, sexy way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, yeah. he just kind of starts venting at her and, uh, we do get a, another appearance from Jane because oh, I really needs to... <laughs> hate Jane. She just makes my skin crawl. Sorry. We should explain what happens. Uh, Jane appears and she basically just mounts beard <laughs> in the middle of a conversation with, with Ted. Um, and it just is really uncomfortable they're super, super PDA. And then later on, she shoves him off and is like, you're getting too intense now. And I just, every time we see her, I hate her a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that's intentional. And I I, I think, I don't know if we talked about it last week, where uh, she's apparently intimidated by Beard and Ted's relationship. Because yeah. why wouldn't you be? Sorry if you heard that big thud. Apparently someone just fell off a bed upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Joy's of hotel Wi-Fi, Josh. <laughs> joys of being in a hotel uh, but yeah so it's kind of interesting that uh well maybe not interesting but it's kind of telling that jane shows up and she sees beard and ted together and she just immediately just starts pdaing all over him like she literally like mounts him yeah. and just starts making out and ted just becomes background noise for them mm. i think i think P- pda in that sentence was was very um the oh, quite a stingy term for for what that was. That was like a live <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, so, so the next next moment we get is Jamie sulking in the corner by himself, and uh, Roy shows up or walks over to him and says, "Hey, you're you're frowning while you're on a win streak. That looks great on you. <laughs> Stop being such a, a whiny little dick." And he's like, you frowned your entire career. He's like, nope, I just never smiled. There's a difference. That was, <laughs> a, great was a great line. line. That was a really good line. Um, yeah, I really liked this because it's 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 really hammering home this warmth between Jamie and Roy that, that was the opposite of when we started. And I also thought it was funny because the, the, the climax of this conversation basically is that Roy has agreed to train Jamie. Um and he says, when are we starting? Just as Jamie's going to take a bite of his fancy food. And he slaps the, the food <laughs> and it goes all up the wall. And he's like, we start right now. And then two seconds later, he's like, we'll start at four in the morning. Because <laughs> the server came in like, come on, man, don't make a mess of my restaurant. We just started. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I enjoyed that conversation. But I think that the growing warmth between Roy and, and Jamie is is something I'm really appreciating. I, I really appreciate the relationship between the two of them evolving. And I appreciate the fact that they aren't going back to the love triangle story. Yeah. Um, nothing is more reductive to a series than just going into a love triangle, in my opinion. And they did a really great job of just kind of telling us that that's not going to happen through a way that makes perfect sense with the way they've set up the, hmm. the previous character interactions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, last week you said they have one more episode to get Roy and Keely back together or it'll be um, tedious. Do you still feel that way? I do, but they they did enough in this episode, or I should say they did little to nothing in this episode to really kind of drive that home. Like we see okay. little looks from Keely to Roy and we see Roy kind of offering himself up for little things to kind of be like, we're amicable, right? Sure. So I, I I think the looks and everything are there to show that it's coming, but it's because Shandy was there to be a roadblock this week. I think that's kind of where this is going to go, where Roy Roy is going to realize he wants to get back together with Keely, and then Shandy's going to be a roadblock. But yeah. speaking of Shandy, this is where I think in the next few episodes, this is where I think we're going to go because Shandy has really kind of just she has no fear of Zava where everyone else is kind of like treating him a certain way. She's just walking up to him and talking to him. Like he's any other nutbag like her. Yeah. And he's like, I like your lack of self-awareness or something to that effect of like, you, you know, you should be afraid of me, but you don't. So cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think at some point in the season, if not in the next few episodes, cause we've cut through like six weeks of the season already. Um, 
I think Shandy and Zava are going to run off together and leave Richmond in a hole. Oh, really? And I think that's where the team's going to kind of come together and have their Mighty Ducks moment where they, they've realized they can win as a team, not just win with Zava. Good prediction. I mean, our predictions so far have not been on point, as we said, but uh, but I think it's a solid, solid idea. I think what we're also learning about Zava is his favorite kind of person is the person that doesn't follow the crowd with the way that people act with him. So we had him deciding to play for Richmond because of the way that Rebecca spoke to him while he was peeing last episode. And we've got his his reaction to um, Shandy this episode. And, and he quite explicitly says, I like you because you're not like everyone else. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of where the season's going to go, because if you go back and watch the trip, I think either Zava's going to get hurt or the thing with uh, Sandy is going to happen. Um, but that's really kind of the end of the episode. The only other thing that uh, of note happens is the matchbook uh, where Sam's club has the matchbook. Um, Zava mentioned something about avocados and eating avocados yeah. in the restaurant. And then tr- the, the big thing, the big reveal at the end of the episode is that Trent Krim is leaving and uh, he ends up spying uh, Colin and Michael. Yeah. Making out in the alleyway just outside the restaurant, which doesn't seem very uh, like, let's play it safe here. <laughs> no, no one's going to turn left out of this restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> no it doesn't but he gives them a look and then carries on walking and i can't work out whether he's going to just confront colin and say like i know or he's gonna be old trent crim and do anything for a story that's that is my concern as well i'm i'm hoping for growth because it seemed like when he revealed that nate broke the story about ted's anxiety attacks he did it reluctantly because he had to as a, a newspaper pundit. Yeah. Whereas as, as a, a biographer, essentially now, uh, as a storyteller for a book, he might go to Colin and ask his permission and be like, hey, is this something you feel comfortable doing? And again, I think that's Colin's subplot this year is he's going to come out to the team either because Trent's going to be like, I have to write about this uh, or Trent is going to kind of guide him into it. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I agree. But I think, like I said at the very start, it's this whole, is Trent Krim uh, a villain now? We'll find out next week, I guess. Yeah, we'll find out. Yep. So th- that kind of wraps up the episode. Um, on a scale of one to ten, Joey, how do you how do we scale this one? I, I love this episode. I love the football montage. I love Zava. Um, big fan. There were some really good laughs in it. Um, and I think that we continued with my favorite plot lines of Roy, Jamie, Zava now. Um, and we also got, a, we, we didn't touch on the point that we got a very pissed off shot with, with uh, Rupert in his car when Zava was doing oh, yeah. really well. So, so Rebecca's getting what she wants as well. I think to, it can't be a perfect episode because I'm not enjoying the psychic already. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also, yeah. Uh, I was going to say I'm not enjoying Shandy, but I, you're not meant to enjoy Shandy, so that's working. Um, so I think on a scale of one to ten, I'm happy to put this at a, I think another eight, eight point five. I'll put that up there for me. I think I'd give it an eight point five. Okay, good. Yeah, the the season keeps getting better. We're we're moving into threads that'll continue on throughout this the season and. Uh, what I assume will be the catalyst to build us towards the finale. Mm. Uh, so I, I think 8.5 is a, a good place to put this one. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, Josh, we said we wouldn't talk for an hour, but you know, just love talking <laughs> to you. So let's let's do your quiz really quickly, uh, and then we'll move on to a couple of Zlatan Ibrahimovic quotes, which will kind of give you a painting of Zava a little bit better. So question number one, uh, England have never won the World Cup. True or false? True. That is false. They've won it once in 1966. And if you know any other English people, they won't let you forget about it. Um, (laughs) Sounds like the Bears in 1985. (laughs) Um, Okay, number two. What happens if the ball goes out of the play on the side of the pitch? Isn't it a throw-in? It is a throw-in. That is correct. Question number three. How many teams play in the Premier League? 20. Correct. Thank you, episode one, uh, episode two, <laughs> whatever episode where Nate makes his bad joke about the 21st team. 
Nice. Um, what colour kit is Everton's home kit? We have had Everton, Everton in uh, in Ted Lasso. Um, let's say burgundy and white. Unfortunately, it is dark blue. Ah. So close, but no cigar. Uh, and finally, <laughs> final question is: What is the nickname of Wolverhampton Football Club? Oh, we just talked about this in the episode too. It's they're they're not the Wolverines. It's Wolverhampton. Well, the, the it's the whole joke, and I'm forgetting it now. It's the Wolverhampton Wolverines or the Wolves, right? I'm going to have to ask you for one answer. Let's go with the Wolves, because if you're referring to them singularly, they're Wolverhampton or Wolves. Well done. It's Wolves. So um, the Wolverhampton Wanderers is the joke. And Ted can't Wanderers, get his head around, that's right. Can't get his head around the fact that they're not called the Wanderers or, uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. So um, well done. That was a very good score. I believe you got four out of five. I'm going to say four out of five. I'm also going to say three out of five because I can't remember. And I, got, I think it was three out of five. I have to be honest. I got this quiz off of the Beano's website. I don't know if the Beano is a thing <laughs> where you are. Um, it's a it's a comic book for children. <laughs> um, so I'm going to finish on our, our mad lad, um, football mad person and it is Latan Ibrahimovic. I promised you last time. There are so many Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, stories that what I've done is I've just got a couple of quotes um, from him. So when asked if he bought his girlfriend a present when they got engaged he said why would I buy her a present? She has Zlatan. <laughs> when asked about his opportunity to join Arsenal when Arsenal were the best club in England he said Arsene Wenger who was Arsenal's manager at the time Arsene Wenger asked me to have a trial with Arsenal when I was 17. I turned it down. Zlatan doesn't do auditions. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, someone asked him if um, he bought recently purchased a Porsche, and he said, absolutely not. I've just bought a plane. It is much faster. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, um, he scored a, a bicycle kick against England from outside of the box. And a bicycle kick is when you go over... Your head. He scores one of them in. Uh, sorry, Zava scores one in this episode where he he yeah you're, you're basically falling backwards. on your back yeah. Um, and he was asked about that goal and, and he just said you can't coach brilliance like that. So uh, hopefully that gives you a little bit more um, who who Zlatan Ibrahimovic is and why Zava is the way that he is. Yep, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh, don't forget to follow us on the socials. First and foremost, follow Joey on Twitter at Game Club Pod and listen to his podcast. Follow me here at Talking Smack. Uh, I'm Talking Smack at T Smack Talking Smack Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can email us your thoughts on Ted Lasso at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Find us on Discord in the episode description below. And as always, be curious, not judgmental. It's a lovely sign off, but also scram, whistle, whistle. <laughs> Scram! Whistle! Whistle! What?